All right, I want to, I want to start with a, a story of a, of a gal named Azrin. I, I believe she's still alive to this day. And uh, Azrin was a Kurdish-Iranian Muslim woman who grew up in northern Iran. And uh, she has a tragic story, honestly. At a young age, um, some of the kind of, they're called, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but Ayatollah forces, like this forces. Anyways, this enemy in uh, the Middle East was like kind of uh, at war with her people. And uh, at a young age, six of her cousins were killed. Um, and so she was describing this experience, and she said that at the um, youngest kind of parts of her life, the earliest memories that she had were playing at the cemetery, where she would watch her mom weep and mourn and groan at the loss of her family members. Can you imagine that life? It's like, hey, what was your childhood like? It's like, I, I lived in cemeteries. Because there's pain, and there's suffering, and there's death. And so as she grew older... Um, uh, specifically at 16 years old, she started to doubt the existence of God, and in their language, God is pronounced Allah. And uh, she was a faithful Muslim, and so I don't know if you guys have actually been around Muslims or have known a Muslim, um, and if you're a Muslim in the room, welcome, and I admire your prayer practices. But she was faithful to prayer. Three times a day, they stop whatever they're doing, no matter what, and they go to the local mosque, and they get on their knees before Allah. Um, and so she was faithful to this. Uh, she prayed and she was devout, uh, much more devout than me and maybe even many of us at times. The only problem is that Allah never spoke to her. And she would come and she would ask Allah to speak and there was nothing. He never responded. And maybe you feel like that in the room, like you're talking to God and he, he isn't responding to you. There's like a void there. And she was starting to experience that. And so she started to doubt even his existence. And so uh, around, I think, 16 years old, uh, she went uh, before Allah and she said, all right, um, you have seven days to respond to me and to speak to me or I'm going to live the rest of my life as if you don't exist. What a prayer. So day one goes by, nothing. Day two goes by, Nothing. Day three, four, five, six, silence. She's wrestling with her doubt, her pain, and she, on the seventh night, she goes before Allah, and she says, if you do not speak to me tonight, and just remind you, by the way, it's the seventh night. If you don't speak to me tonight, I'm gonna live the rest of my life as if you don't exist. So Azrin goes to, to sleep, and, uh, and then the seventh night, she has a dream. And she, uh, in this dream, she's in this uh, reception room. There's all, she says there's all sorts of people there. There's tons of people everywhere. And, uh, and in this dream specifically, there's a man who's leaning against a wall. And uh, so she kind of looks at him. She, she says he's radiant, like radiant with light. Um, and she says that he comes so close that his breath is like bad breath in her face, you know, like that close. And uh, the person in this dream against the wall, uh, uh, it was Hazrat Isa, which if you're familiar with Islam is uh, Jesus, um, but as a prophet, because Muslims don't believe Jesus is the son of God. And so Jesus the prophet is in this dream, and he comes up to her, and she goes, okay, the, you know, our, our prophet, like our most esteemed prophet um, besides Muhammad is here. And so Jesus walks up to her, and she goes, okay, I need to talk to God. 
And he goes, talk. And she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to talk to God. And he goes, talk. And then Jesus slowly says three times, Azrin, I am God. He goes, Azrin, I am God. And then one more time, Jesus says, Azrin, I am God. And so, so Azrin actually writes to this account, and she says this. Uh, I want to put the quote up. She goes, as I heard this, all doubt drained away from my tired heart. Don't you love that? Did you have a tired heart? She goes, all doubt drained away from my tired heart. And then I love this. And she goes, and we talked and talked and talked. And I just poured out my heart to him, to God in Jesus. And for the first time in my life, I experienced God speaking back into my life. That's an incredible story, isn't it? And the reason I like this story is because like many of you, you can relate with Azrin in the room. Like you've been, uh, you've been walking through pain and suffering in your life. You've, you have doubts. You feel like God hasn't shown up. And so uh, and maybe I would say the moral of this story is you need to have a prayer like Azrin. Like you need to show up in my life, God. But what I liked about this story and why it moved me so much is that what it reveals is that the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God that has redeemed us in Jesus Christ invites us to talk. There's an invitation from God to talk and talk and talk, and that's at the heart of prayer, is to receive the invitation of God to talk. But if you're like me, and if, you know, I know I talk with many of you in the room, but there's a, there's a problem and a tension for many of you in the room tonight with prayer. Because let's just be honest, finding time to pray is a struggle, is it not? You have your demands, your work schedules, you have life, and then you just blink, and if you forget to prioritize it, it just stinks you by. Like, so, so trying to find time to actually pray is hard, and then you, then you, okay, then you're like, all right, well, I found time to pray, and now I'm going to pray, and then when you actually do pray, it's a struggle. Anybody? Like, when you actually show up to the environment where, like, I'm going to talk to God, I've been this before where you're sitting there like, what am I even doing right now? You're like, I feel like I'm talking to the ceiling. And we, we all struggle with it because there's what? We, we struggle with scattered minds where you're like, you're just doing, like your whole mind is doing this. You're like, I feel like I have like crazy good focus. And then I pray and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening right now. So there's a scattered mind. Uh, some of you struggle in prayer because you just feel like flat out, I'm just not good at prayer. How many of you have like sat in the presence with somebody who's like, quote unquote, good at prayer? And you're like, oh my gosh. That was me this morning with one of my friends from Africa named Enoch. And I was like, Lord, why do I do this? And he's like, that's not what it's about. And I was like, okay, I'm good at prayer. <laughs> but you struggle with, like, there's an insecurity to not be good at praying, whatever that means. Uh, it's a real experience. And then let's just be honest, we don't say it out loud, but some of you think prayer is just boring. Isn't it not? You're like there and you're like, you know, like you have all these anxieties and all these like struggles and all these like this passion to pray and then you actually show up into the environment to pray and you like get through your list in two minutes and you're like, I still got, you're like, oh, okay, I at least got to play for 10 minutes, you know? But there's prayer is a struggle and so here's what I want to do tonight. I want to talk, uh, I want to talk about prayer and I want to, I want to talk about prayer to a point where you see the invitation of God to pray to him, to talk with him, to, prayer is simply just the language of God, but I want you to hear that as a gift, um, but before I even talk about prayer being a gift, um, I want to make an argument for the case of why you need prayer. Because I'm convinced if you don't see and if I don't see our need for prayer, you just won't. And so we're going to see that from the life of Jesus. And then my hope here at the end of uh, tonight's talk is that um, 
let's just be honest, some of you have this question, does prayer even work? Because here's what you're gonna do. If you don't think it works, you're gonna try to be better at prayer so that it will, or you're just gonna give up. So I wanna talk about unanswered prayer at the end of this talk, and so, okay, so first thing, let's talk about a case for the necessity of prayer. John Orberg says this, he says, anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from something outside of itself. I wanna say that one more time. Anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from something outside of itself. Let me ask you a question. What do you use to nourish yourself so that you can thrive? What do you use to nourish yourself so that you can thrive? And what we see in Jesus' life and the secret to his ministry is that he drew nourishment from a special source. I was thinking about this today. If you just read Jesus' life at face value, it is shocking his ability to love people in the midst of pain and chaos. Like, at, like you don't even have to be a Christian. If you just like pull out your Bible and you've been a Christian, like, like I'm gonna have like a fresh read of Jesus' life. It is absolutely shocking. Like there's a limitlessness to his love like, let's just be honest, in my life, like, there's a limit to how much I'm going to love you. Like, there just is. Like, I, I'm going to try, but there's a limit to that. But, like, here's the thing. Jesus had a bigger and more demanding schedule than you. He had more riding on his back than you, namely the whole world. He was more popular than you. I know there's some really popular people in here. But if you read these stories, like, he's, he's in these public spaces, and crowds are following him. Crowds are coming on him. So his, he's, got, he's got demands, he's got people, he's got needs. And here's the thing, he actually had the power to meet all the needs. So here's the question. How does somebody have a life that's that chaotic, that filled with suffering, where people are trying to kill him, family members are accusing him, people reject him? Imagine you, like you get like hurt by a friend and like, like it puts you out for like two weeks. Like that's how I am. It's like, oh, it's like I'm, you know. But it's like how does somebody get to the rest of their life where on the cross when they're in the most extreme place of suffering, he's still thinking about others. And he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And he looks on the people that are crucifying him on the cross, and what, when, he, when you poke him, what comes out is compassion and love. Where is he drawing nourishment from? How do you get to the rest of your life and actually be that person? And so John Tyson, I love this, he's a pastor, he says this, we will never do the Jesus stuff if we do not have Jesus source. He says we will never do Jesus stuff, which by the way is the whole of the Christian life, that's the point, is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. He says we will never do Jesus stuff if we do not have Jesus source. So, and I think the, the secret to Jesus' nourishment are right all over the pages of scripture. So I'm just gonna breeze through these verses pretty quickly, but you'll get the point. Here we go. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, very early in the morning at 4.25, while it was still dark, welcome Jade, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place and prayed. Mark 6.46, after leaving them, he went up onto a mountainside to pray. Matthew 14.23, after he dismissed them, the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And he was there alone. One of those, uh, Luke 6, 12, one of, those, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Here we go. He spent the whole night praying to God. 
Mark 14, 39, once more he went away. Once more he went away and prayed. And I, like, I love Luke 5, 16. This is like the summary of Jesus' life. He says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Here's the thing. Jesus' secret to his public power was his private prayer. I was listening and I was thinking about uh, like prayer and I was looking, listening to this one sermon and this pastor was pointing out, if you would have watched Jesus in private, you would have been like, I'm not following this guy. Like he would like, he was like, imagine like Jesus is at his darkest hour. He's at, like, his disciples are, are like, think he's about to leave like, lead this revolution. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We just read this as a story, but the disciples thinking this is the moment that Jesus is going to like confront the authorities and bring God's kingdom, and he's panicking, so it seems, to a place where he's sweating blood. And the disciples, like if you, if you saw me in the prayer space, like before I got up here doing something, you're like, what is, okay, like this, this is not the guy to follow. Like if, if you watched Jesus, you would have been like, his private prayer life probably would have scared you. And, and this is what I love about it. Jesus is Jesus' weakness so in private is what gave him power in public. Jesus' weakness in private is what gave him power in public. That's why despite adversity, disappointment, and suffering, Jesus flourished because he had a life of prayer with God. Here's the thing right now. We live in a culture that the only thing people care about is your performance in the public place. Think about this right now. We live in a culture right now that the, oh, literally the, your worth and everything about your life is measured on your performance in the public place. We're obsessed with the public place. Everybody is in the public place. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. We rarely withdraw to lonely places. Jesus was in the public place. It's like we live there. And so what happens to us is because we have this cultural pressure, and you have it in your own unique way in your life, to perform in the public place, in the public place, what happens is we, ended up, we end up uh, abandoning private prayer so that we may achieve or sustain public performance. So in order to sustain public performance, we abandon private prayer. And then what, what happens is because we're so pressured, we get caught in this like cultural cycle. And so this is what we do. This is life. We get up, we engage, we push, we get exhausted, and then we veg out, and then we go to sleep, and then we get up, and then we engage, and then we push, and we get exhausted, and we veg out, and we just do it all over again. Do you not? And then what happens from that life is it leads us to a place where we're burnt out, there's nothing left in the tank, you're empty, and you're cynical. Is that not true? Any of you know people like that? Um... I was thinking of this, how many of you are like, yeah, like I'm in my 20s, like you know what the goal of my life is? It's like what? I wanna be burnt out. I, man, you know what my goal is? Like I hope when I'm in my 40s or 50s, I'm gonna be absolutely empty. Nobody says that. But what happens is there's a cultural pressure and whether you, you like, whether best intention or not, we, we, we put ourselves in these environments and we submit to these cultural patterns because we have all this pressure to perform publicly and what we do, we end up at, in our 40s, 50s, 60s or maybe you're already even there and you're burnt out and you're done and you've got nothing left to give. Have you ever been there? Uh, I have. So about two years ago, maybe it was two years ago, um, this is actually a very vulnerable story so please receive it with grace. Um, I was, so, you know, first year of marriage was a challenge with my wife and I 
because marriage is super easy. You know, we just weren't good at it. Um, no, like we're working through hard stuff. You're merging two lives with different backgrounds together into one. And you're like, how does this even work? And so, you know, we got through our first year of marriage, and then it's, we're on to our second year. And like, God did so many wonderful things in both of us and transformed us. And He's still doing things to this day. But I remember there was one night in particular. Um, I got caught in the cycle. Um, not this night in particular, but in, in the, my life, I was just caught in the cycle, and I was just like, get up push, engage, veg out, get exhausted. And I kind of honestly lived that for two years on repeat. Um, and I remember my wife and I were eating that mod pizza off Cooper and uh, Warner. And she's like, with tears almost in her eyes, she's like, I need you. Like, I need you to show up. And I need you to show up more than what you're doing now. And it was the first time in my marriage that I looked my wife in the eyes, and not from a place of anger, and I said, I have nothing left to give you. I have nothing, and that wasn't like, because I don't like you, it's like, there's, I'm, I have nothing in me. I have nothing left to give you. And that was the moment in my life that prayer started for me. And that transformation started the change. And what I started to realize is, is that there was a prayerlessness in my life that led to a powerlessness life that I couldn't even, I couldn't. Oh, you ever had like a cup that's empty and you try to pour it out and nothing comes out? That was my life. Chris was like, hey, pour yourself out. And I was like, there's no water. I was a, I was a car running on fumes. You know, it's like I never went to the gas station. It's just like there's nothing in the tank, literally nothing. And here's my point. If we don't pray we will have nothing to give the world. Just as I looked at my wife, I was like, I have nothing to give you. Just because of the life we live, the lack of ability to stop, we'll have nothing to give the world. And what I noticed in my life was no prayer meant no power, and no power meant no suffering love, and no suffering love meant no Jesus. So here's the thing, and I want to put this before you. You're in your 20s, Right? Lord willing, you have a good 50, 60 years ahead of you. And I'm just telling you now, if you think that you can avoid the cultural cycle of engage, push, get exhausted, burn out, and don't end up burnt out, the only way you're going to get there is by learning to pray. There is no substitute. I'm telling you guys, listen, the one difference between the person that can sur just survive through life versus the person that thrives through life is the person who figures out prayer. And I'm not talking about prayer as a technique. I'm just talking about who learns how to experience God in prayer. It's, it's mandatory. And so I just want to put this, and I don't, I don't share these things. This is like the hard part of the message, and then it's going to get good. Um, here's the thing about prayer. Some of you are like hearing this, and you're like, ah, I just, you know, I just, got, I just got to pray more. I'm just asking you to consider this question just from like a logical, like a logical place. If Jesus needed prayer to get through life and thrive and to do, and to do God's will, what, what makes you think you're any better? Jesus' secret wasn't that he was like God and he was like playing tricks, you know, and he's like, I just kind of pray because I'm holy. Je like literally, if you read Luke, it says Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. How do you think he was empowered by the Holy Spirit? Prayer. And so I just want to put this before you just to consider if Jesus needed prayer, how much more do we? So that we actually have something to give the world. Now, if you get to this point, one of the questions I told the, um, 
the prayer team before this was, a lot of us know we should pray, we just don't want to pray. And the question that we need to, to wrestle with is, how do we actually get to a place where we say, I actually want to pray, and I really do believe that when we see that, that prayer is a gift, and it's not a duty to perform, that it actually liberates us into something beautiful. And so, here's what I want to start with. I want to say something. Prayer is not something you master. Prayer is an invitation to enter. Prayer is not something that you master. Prayer is an invitation to enter. It's the gift of invitation. I was... Uh, uh, Abel sent me this little thing on prayer, and I listened to it, and there's this story that I thought was so good. Um, so there's the story of a, a soldier uh, in the Union Army in the Civil War, and so he's out at battle, he's, he's fighting, and he's, uh, yeah, he's in the conflict of everything that's happening, and, uh, and in, imagine this, in the battle, his dad and brother die. So his older brother and his dad dies, and so uh, he just realizes he has a sister and a mom at home, and he goes, they need help working the farm because that's how they get food. And so he goes to the White House, he goes to President Lincoln, and he, uh, he wants to get a presidential exemption on, pr- on, uh, on prayer. President, will you excuse me for prayer? No, he, he wants to get an exemption from serving in the military. And so he walks up to the White House doors, and uh, he's sent away and says, President Lincoln uh, cannot see you, he's too busy. So he makes this whole journey, he gets to the White House, and he doesn't even get to see the president. And so he leaves, and he, uh, he's discouraged, and so he goes, and he finds a park by, uh, like, kind of the White House area, and he goes, and he sits on this park bench, and then while he's on this park bench, there's this little boy that comes up to him, and sees that he's sad, and he's like, hey, like, what's going on? You look, you look really sad, and... He explains the situation to the boy, you know, he's like, my, you know, my dad and brother died and like, I, I need to be there to help my family, like no one is there to help them and I'm like stuck and they just told me to go back to the fighting and the little boy uh, smiles and says, well, just come with me and so he's like, okay and so he, uh, he, he, he follows this little boy and they walk back to the White House and, uh, and they pass the guards that literally just send them away, they go in the back door, they literally go into the back door of the White House and uh, they pass all these, like, kind of big-time, like, officials and government people and all, you know, who knows who hangs out at White Houses. And, uh, and so he walks up to this door, and they enter this door, and then behind the door is President Lincoln sitting with top military generals, and he's making battle plans. And so President Lincoln sees this little boy, and he goes, Son, what can I do for you? And the little boy goes, Dad, this man really needs to talk to you. And I love that story because that's exactly what the gospel says that Jesus has done. Is that Jesus has taken us into the presence of Father and he says, Dad, he really needs to talk to you. Dad, she really needs to talk to you. And then the president gives him the presidential exemption and he says, go take care of your family. And it's this beautiful picture And I love this because Ephesians 2.18, this is what it says. It says, for through him, that is Jesus, we both, that's the whole uh, known world at the time, Jew and Gentile, it says we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And I love this because I was sitting in here and I was like, I don't know how else to, to say this except I was sitting in class the other day and my, it hit me, like, I literally started to get emotional just think, thinking about it at class. I was sitting and I was listening to my professor, and he just said this thing. He's like, do you realize the privilege you have to come into the presence of God through Jesus Christ? 
in the Holy Spirit. And I was sitting there, I was like, I am coming into the presence, and at any moment, I can come into the presence of the living God who created all things, who's sustaining all things, who just, if he stopped speaking you into existence, you wouldn't even exist anymore. He made the seas, the dry land, he's guided history, he's bringing his kingdom, and you get to come into his presence anytime. And you have the son saying, Dad, he really needs to talk to you. So we, see, we need to see that prayer, uh, it's a gift. The second thing that I think about, that, about prayer is that we need to enter the presence of God. When we do enter the presence of God, we need to enter the presence of God as our real and honest selves. And I think about, this is like, the, if, if you ask me uh, what actually changed in my prayer life on that night when, uh, when Crystal says, hey, I need you, and I say, I have nothing else to give you, is this is, that's the time in my life where I, where I learned to go into the presence of God and be myself. Because before that, I might have had like seasons of it, but at that moment in my life, I was like, I just can't fake it anymore. I can't fake where I'm at. I can't, like, I can't be like the person that I even want to be. It's like I'm not even the husband I'm wanting to be at this time. And this is where I actually learned to be honest. And I love this. Psalm 145, 18, it says this. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. Here's why this is an incredible verse. We all want God to be near us, do we not? Maybe? Yes, thank you. Even if you're not a believer and you just say, like, I don't even believe this stuff, if you said there was a God, would you not want him to be near you? And here's what I love about this verse. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. It's like, okay, great. And then it says this, to all who call on him in truth. And that doesn't just mean in a truthful sense that, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm living a truthful life, like I have integrity. I actually do think that's part of what this verse is saying. But there's another half to this that I really think this verse is saying, where it's saying, God is near to those who call on him as they actually are. You, when, you, when you try to be better, that you, better than you are or a different person than you are, or you try to take on somebody else's prayer life, it's a way of coming into God's presence in an untruthful way. Because that's not who God created you to be. That's actually not the place that you're being. Say, God, you, you want God near you? Call on him as you really are in this moment. Um, Kyle Strobel and John Coe in, in their book that I just recommended, this is a longer quote, but I really want you to lean into what this is saying because it's really good. It says, our prayer life is our Christian life miniaturized. What we believe about life with God reveals itself in how we pray. If we believe the Christian life is primarily about being good, then prayer will be a time to try to be good. Maybe we pray only for others so that when we finish praying, we can look back at how faithful we have been and feel like we are doing well as Christians. Maybe we pray only short prayers so we don't have time to experience our mind wandering, falling asleep, or any of the other things that can make prayer so humbling. Alternatively, we may think the Christian life is primarily about knowing true things about God. And then when this happens, prayer becomes a time to verbalize our right beliefs. Have you ever had that person where it's just like, they just name it, you know, like they're just, they're just going for it. They're just like naming it. But there's no like integrity, or not integrity, there's no, it doesn't seem like it's sincere. It says, we focus on naming the truth about God, but avoid the truth of our hearts because it feels unnerving and counterproductive. So good. It says, we opt to pray the truth at God, assuming in our hearts that these truths are met with God's fatherly approval. I love this, but the Christian life is not primarily about being good or knowing true things, although it should, of course, include these. I love this. Rather, the Christian life is about abiding in Christ, thereby sharing in the life of the Father so we may share our life with the Father. And this is the, this is the key to lean, lean in. 
Therefore, we must be open to the ways that our devotion, worship, and even service to God can be used to avoid him. And you know, I love this. He says, if you want a boring prayer life, how many of you say, like, I just want a boring prayer life, like, Corey, teach me how to do that. This is it. If you want a boring prayer life, spend it trying to be good in prayer rather than being honest. And there's a couple of things from this, this verse that I think, or this, this is not a verse, this is a quote. There's a couple of things from this quote that I think are really impactful. Um, I think we all have a temptation to come into God's presence to act better than we are or to be better than we are or let's just say we're in a, a season of sin where we're filled with anger or bitterness but we try to kind of adjust this version of ourselves that God wants, wants to see and I love this because I think what God would say is I can't transform the person you're pretending to be. God can't transform the person that you're pretending to be. And I think what, that's really liberating because that means that God can transform the person that you actually are. But when you come into presence, the presence of God with this kind of like false sense of honesty, God goes, I can't even transform that self because that's not even the real you. That's just something you're trying to project onto me. And I think that leads us to a place where we settle for an arm's like length intimacy with God. You ever that? Like you want a relationship with God, but you kind of keep him right here. And so what we do when we do that is we pray prayers that will keep us there. And I just want to say, if you want a, an intimate, close relationship with God, pray prayers that will get you there. And those prayers are honest prayers. And so I just want to say to you tonight, some of you are angry. And I want to say, God... I want your prayers to be, God, I am really angry. Or if you're disappointed, don't just tell God why you're disappointed. Tell him that you're disappointed with him. If you're filled with sexual desire and lust in this moment or in the moment that you're praying, come to him as a lust-filled, sexually aroused person. If you're filled with uh, hatred for your job, tell God you're angry with your job. If you're, you're angry with the person at your job, tell God that. Come to God as you really are. And I think one of the things that you'll start to see is, one, you'll be shocked at what actually comes out of your mouth. I remember I've been in prayer times. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be honest. And I just start talking. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that just came out of my mouth. I just said that about, you know, I'm not even going to say it because I can't say it here. But the, this is the beauty of it. God, God can hear from you what he sees in you. God can hear from you what he sees in you. And I would say this. He wants to hear from you what he sees in you. And so I would just say, when, you, when we're not honest with our prayers, it's like Adam and Eve try to co- trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. It's just a way for us to cover, hide, shame, and we just hide. And I just want to say, when you come to God in honesty and trust, it shows that he's going to clothe you where you're naked and exposed. When Adam and Eve in the garden were naked and exposed, what God does is he clothes them. He doesn't shame them. He asks them a question. He's trying to come after their heart. And he clothes them and he cares for them, and he loves them. And that's what God will do for you too. And so there's the gift of invitation, and there's the gift of honesty. And here's the thing, I think a lot of us wrestle with, and this is, this is probably, I, if I were to guess, I think most of us quit on prayer because of this thing right here, unanswered prayer. Is it not true? I prayed it didn't work. I was like, what does that even mean, prayer work? You know what I'm saying? And so I want to share two stories with you, and I, I want to make a couple observations about unanswered prayer and how we can think about that in our lives. The, uh, the first one is this. I was, this was probably um, two years ago. 
I was on a prayer walk, and this just shows the, I, this, this is the beauty of prayer working. And uh, I was on a prayer walk around my neighborhood. It was probably this time of year because it was beautiful out. And I was walking, I was praying for 710 and just our church. And uh, I'll just say it, I was just really struggling with the, I'm just gonna say it, the flakiness of young adults. Uh, and I can be that too, so I, I'm not talking down, I'm just saying this, the culture of young adults is, it's, there's, there's just a flakiness, we're not known for being very committed. And, uh, and that just, it's not just a general thing, but it affects church, it affects church, and I just, what, I feel like what I look out and see in young adult, even young adult ministry is, it's just like a herd of young adults going throughout the valley, and then like they find like a ministry that they like, they just consume it a bunch until it's boring, and then they go to the next one, and then they consume it until it's boring, and they just go to this next one. And there's just this like consuming culture, and I was like, I was like, Lord, like I'm just, this is my honest part. I was like, God, where are the young adults who are like committed to a local church, like serving it, being fed by it? Like they're not after a show, they're not after a certain title, like they just wanna experience you, and they don't, they're just gonna be at their local church. And I'm all about being a part of different churches ministries, all that stuff, of course, absolutely, but I really do think, like, we are, po- we are a part of the body of Christ, but we are also called to a local body, and so I was wrestling with this, Lord, and I was like, Lord, it feels like it's even hard to walk with young adults because it's just so scattered, it's so transient, and Lord, like, I, I pray, like, I just, w- would you do something different in our church? And so, I, I wrote it down, and I, I should have taken a picture of it, but there was other stuff on that prayer card I don't want you to see. And so I wrote down, literally, I wrote down on this prayer card, I was like, Lord, I'm praying that you would bring Redemption Gilbert, a group of young adults who are being discipled by this church, consuming, that are being like fed the word of God, that be, like they're rooted here at Redemption Gilbert. They're not just like playing the floating game. And this is the part that was, and they're giving back to this church. I'm saying, I'm praying for a community, I'm praying for that group. Like, I'm praying that you would, like, this is Saturday, okay? So I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm praying that you would do it. I'm not even gonna try to, like, manufacture it. I'm like, you have to do it. And so I come into work on Monday, and, like, Paul Artino, like, calls me. He's like, dude, you gotta come into Jeremy's office. And I was like, <gasps> you know, it's like, big dogs. Both big dogs are calling. I gotta, like, I, I'm coming into the office. So I'm, like, going in there, and I'm like, yes, you know? And they're like, have a seat. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. And they're like, so we just really feel like, I don't know what it is right now, but we just really feel like we loved like a community of young adults who are like rooted here at Redemption Gilbert, being fed, you know, giving, like giving themselves, like they're just like right here serving. And he's like, so we're gonna start something called the Leadership Development Program. And here are six names of people that we think would be uh, a fit. And I was sitting there, I was like, did you guys read my prayer card yesterday? And I was sitting in there, and out of this came this beautiful thing that our church did, leadership development program, and there's incredible leaders coming out of there uh, and that are in this room tonight. And literally, this, I'm not, I'm not to, like, say, this group of young adults has impacted this church in ways I've never seen before. And there's this radical commitment to being discipled and shaped and this radical commitment of pouring back into this church. And it's, tr- I'm not kidding, it's transformed our church in ways that you will see someday and in, in ways that you already see, but I'm just telling you. And I was just sitting there, I was like, prayer works. And I'm like making all these prayer cards now, you know? Well, okay, so then I have, you know, another prayer card. And this one's gonna be way more vague because it's still in process. But I have this other prayer card that I made for the situation. This is just gonna be vague, but just hear me out. You'll, you'll relate to it. And I've been praying for this situation for three years. I'm not kidding. And I have given myself to the people in this situation for a long time. 
and I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. And honestly, the prayers in this prayer card seem a lot more godly than the other one. Like, they just do. And I'm like, God, if, if there's a prayer that God would answer, it would be this prayer card right here. And I'm just telling you, like, I've given myself, I've, I've, I've loved, I've served, I've shared the gospel. I've, I, there's so many things going on. It is categorically getting worse day by day. Like this, it's categorically getting worse and more complicated, and I'm getting more and more removed from the situation. And my wife is getting hurt and frustrated in this situation. And I'm like, Lord, what the heck? I was like, what are you doing? Prayer doesn't work. Prayer works. Isn't that the whole thing? Prayer doesn't work. And you guys have that in your own life. You're praying for things, and you're like, God answered that so fast. And then you've been, some of you have been praying things for a long time in your life, and God has, it seems like, done nothing about it. Can you relate with that? All right, I want to read this quote, and I want to make some, um, I want to share some thoughts on that. So um, Robert Mulholland has a book on spiritual disciplines, and he has this, um, I would say, this way of talking about prayer that recenters us. And so I want to I read the quote and make some comments. He says, we tend to think of prayer as something we do in order to produce the results we believe are needed. Isn't that what we do? We think there's results that are needed, so we pray them. That's just what we do. So as a result, our prayers tend to be a shopping list of things to be accomplished. And when you hear shopping list, you immediately hear negative. I don't even think it's negative. I just told you pray honest prayers. Pray, pray your shopping list, please. But I think we need to hear his words. He says, prayer, however, as a classical discipline, this is, this is the part that you have to understand. Prayer is primarily relational, not functional. Pra- prayer is primarily relational, not functional. The closer, we get, the closer we get to God, the stronger will be his demand to let go of the many safe structures we have built around ourselves. How many of you know that to experience? The closer you get to God in prayer, you start to realize he's demanding things of you. Our shopping list prayers actually, guys, leaning on this, our shopping list prayers actually may be our attempt to keep God's at arm's length and maintain our relationship with God on our terms. It's like, God, I'm setting the tone of this relationship. Here are my prayers. Are you gonna meet them? And it's our way of setting the tone of the relationship. He says, prayer, however, is the act by which the people of God become incorporated into the presence and action of God of God, not primarily the, the, the presence of power coming into my situation, absolutely, I believe that, but it's actually us being incorporated into the presence and action of God. Is, I love this, prayer becomes a sacrificial offering. How many, think, how many of you think about your prayer as a sacrificial offering? Prayer is a sacrificial offering of ourselves to God to become agents of God's presence and action in the daily events and situations of our life. I love this quote because it puts our honesty and asking into perspective. Prayer is not just about honesty. It's not just about asking, but there needs to be some perspective with this. And so here's the thing that I really want to share with you guys tonight. Just because we are honest with God doesn't mean that we get to make demands of God. Some of you, and this happens at a subconscious level. This isn't all the time at like a conscious level, but we have this like kind of belief like, Lord, all right, like if I'm honest with you and I'm like, like real with you, then all of a sudden we feel like we have a right to like make demands of God. And so what happens is we, uh, we pray these honest prayers. We go, Lord, I pray that you would show up. And then 
then we, we project onto God expectations that he never actually said he would do. So we go, Lord, why, how, why didn't you? And God said, I never promised I would. And so I think what we need to, to, to hear here is, is that there's an honesty and we need to come to God prayerfully and, and humbly and submit to his good and wise will, praying along with our Lord Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. I think the most beautiful picture of unanswered prayer is Jesus. I love this. Jesus let God know his desire, but he didn't demand his way. If you were, if I, my guess is if you were to jump into Jesus' prayer life, you would see Jesus voicing a lot of desires that he had. But regardless of his desire, he didn't demand his way. Perfect example, Garden of Gethsemane. What is Jesus doing? He goes, Lord, uh, it's about to go down. You know? And he goes, if, is there any other way? And this isn't like Jesus trying to be like fluff. This is like raw Jesus. Like he's sweating blood. He's like, Lord, if there's another way for this to happen, I'm, I'll do that. I'd actually prefer that. Desire. But he never demands his way. Does he say, but what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. And so this is what I love about Jesus. Sometimes our honesty and desire gets in the way of mission because we're stuck demanding God, but Jesus' honesty and desire never gets in the way of God's mission on his life. God had a call for Jesus that he wanted to work through Jesus, and Jesus verbalized his honesty, and Jesus never lets his desire get in the way of God's call and God's mission on his life. And I just want to say this, and I'm going to say it, I just need to say this, some of you are using unanswered prayer as a weapon against God. And I, I, and I want to say that again, some of you have unanswered prayer and their real prayer request, their hard prayer request, and some of you go like, God, why wouldn't God want to do this? But I want to say what happens is you can't use unanswered prayer as a weapon against God. Isn't that true? Like, I've been praying for years and God never, so I'm not going to. Or I've been praying for this and God never did, so therefore he can't be good and we just, and then they're off. Or I just couldn't, you know, it just happens where we use unanswered prayer as a weapon against God. And I think what, what God has invited us into is, is this, this dance that we have to maintain in his presence where we can do two things. One, God says, be as honest and real and share all of your desires, and I want to hear all of it. And I'm going to answer a lot more of it in a way that you don't even realize. And by the way, that prayer request, that's not good for you. I read this morning, ask, seek, knock, the door will be opened. If you ask for bread, will God give you a snake? If you ask for whatever the other thing is, I'm not going to give you a scorpion. And I just had this thought, it just hit my mind. And God goes, you don't realize how many of the prayers you're asking are snakes and scorpions. They're good to me, and they have like a godly coat to it. But God goes, that's a snake and a scorpion. And God goes, trust me, be humble. Don't demand your own way. I am wise and good and all-knowing. I know what you need before you even say anything, and I love you, and I'm going to ask for you to trust me. There's a mystery to unanswered prayer. There's spiritual warfare. Don't you think it's interesting that Satan says to Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down to me? Satan's offering something to Jesus. There's a, there's a strange... Satan. Here's what I'm saying. Satan has a lot more power than you think. 
And he has a lot, he's, he's better at scheming than you think. And our prayers mixed with spiritual warfare and our own selfishness and our own just not knowing things and God's wisdom and goodness, that's a whole pot of a lot of complicated things that we're just not gonna know. But God is good, he's all powerful and he loves you and he's kind. And here's the thing, he wants to hear your heart. Some of you are so fixated on trying to be good at prayer and I'm just saying, you can't, if I said, like, I'm really good at conversation with my wife, you'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? Conversation's conversation. And I'm in the same way, like, if you think, oh, there's no such thing as being good at prayer. Being good at prayer is just praying because it's conversation, it's the language of God. And so tonight, I just want you to hear, God loves you. He sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. The unanswered prayer, he has reasons for. Trust him. He's kind. He's gonna heal you. He's gonna heal this world and there's hope and there's a future. And I wanna say this. If you want one secret that will launch your prayer life into a whole nother category, like I'm just telling you, you don't even have to, these books, you don't even have to read them. I have a secret. And if you do this, it will change your prayer life forever. You wanna know what it is? Pray. That's it. If you want to grow in prayer, pray. You can read books and books and books and podcasts and podcasts and podcasts. And I think at some point God just goes, just talk to me. Put the book away. You ever had that? I feel like I'm like, Lord, how do I do this? And God's like, stop. Like, just come talk to me. And I just want to hear, some of you, God just wants to say, just come be with me. And so, um, and if that's hard for you, I would say come pray with me. And I really mean that. I will throw out all sorts of things out there. Maybe I'll talk with Esteban, but Text me on Tuesday and go, Corey, when are you praying Wednesday? I want to join and you can come join me. Um, I try to spend an hour of my day in prayer. That's a new thing. That's not, a, that's not like a thing. I've been doing it for seven years. You know, it's like I've, I've grown a lot in prayer, but like I, I have made a resolve and a commitment into my heart with Jade and with Kendrick and some of these other staff people that I'm like, we are going to seek God in prayer. And if you want to join in on that, text me and you can come join. If not, I pray that God blesses you in your prayer time as we seek the face of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And uh, God, I pray, I pray for, uh, God, this community, that your presence would just be extended. Um, God, that you would fill the hearts of uh, the young adults in this room, Lord, with a desire and an appetite to be with you. God, I pray that you would give us the humility to trust you when we don't understand. God, I pray that you would, um, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. And so, uh, Jesus, uh, fill us with your goodness. Fill us with uh, your wisdom. Fill us with your presence. We pray, come Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna do something that's gonna be different um, for many of you in the room um, and me. Um, so this next song, I'm actually gonna ask that you stay seated the whole song. Um, and I just wanna leave room for you to pray and to pray where you are, and to sit with God, and I just want you to sit there, and I want you to listen to these words, and I just want you to have five minutes of conversation with the Lord, and just talking to him. It may be sitting and looking at these lyrics, and just receiving it. It may just be listening prayer, where I'm just gonna listen to what God has to say to me. It may be meditating on a verse and praying through it, but I just want you to sit where you are, and just to practice being honest with God, and you don't need to go home and do it right now, but I just want you to do it in this moment. But I'm gonna ask a something else and I really felt like the Lord laid this on my heart um, many of you have hit a block and a barrier in your heart with prayer 
And there's many of you in this room who, if you're going to be honest, like you've completely given up on a life of God in prayer. And uh, I want to say, I, I want to say this: if that's you in the room, and you feel, and this isn't everybody, um, but some of you in the room really do have a stirring in your heart where you've been even having a conversation with God tonight, where you're like, Lord, I want that. Like, I want something more with you. And I'm going to ask you to do something that might make you feel uncomfortable, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to require bravery and courage. Um, but while this song is playing, while people are, are sitting down praying, I just want you to stand up where you're, where you're seated uh, as a way of saying, like, I need a fresh experience of God in prayer. And, um, and I'm going to have me and Jade and some of the leaders in this room, we're just going to meet you where you are, standing up, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come. And, and unlock a new part of a life with God for you. And so if that's you, um, it's, there's the, I mean, if I were in there, I would be standing too. And so, um, but if you say like, I just wanna meet God, I just wanna ask that you, that you would stand where you are and we will come and we will pray for you and ask that the Holy Spirit would encounter you. And then we'll, uh, Jonathan will lead us into the last song and we'll worship the Lord together. Sound good? Feel free to pray.